Good morning, good morning. How are we doing? Man, there's a lot of people here this morning. Good morning to you if you're online this morning. It's great to have you tuning in. Um, yeah, just a special welcome. Um, get your notepad out, maybe your coffee as well, and take some notes as we go through this morning. Um, anyway, I, I just thought it'd be great just to mention a few things that we've been doing at Youth Lately, because I realize that none of you guys are there, other than the few teenagers that are here. Um, in, the last, in the last couple terms, um, the three of us have taken over as youth pastors, which has been absolutely awesome. If you didn't know, that's cool. Um, but just a few of my favorite things that we've done at youth was um, we had a youth preacher night last term. Um, it was incredible. Um, your young people of Thrive Church came and brought the word, and it was incredible. Um, one that comes to mind straight away was Alana Chesum. I was messaging her about her message, and um, I was like, it was a couple days out, and I was like, oh, I, you know, I still don't know what she's talking about here. That's okay, though. We'll, we'll see what she sends me tonight. And, and she fully contextualized Psalm 32 to modern day, and like, this is how it impacts me today. And it was just incredible. I, I spent a whole semester at Late Lord studying Psalm 32, no, 23, 23, there we go, round the wrong way, and it was just everything she talked about was exactly what we mentioned in class, and I was like, man, I feel like I just got ripped off in this class, but that's okay. Um, anyway, last term, we did a series called Built Different. Yeah, there we go, a few of them got it. Um, so anyway, so something that we like to do when we we're doing it, every time that I said Built Different, we would do that, so we're all going to do it this morning. We believe that you're built different. It was only like half the room. We're going to get everyone doing it. We're built different. Built different. You are built different. Amen. Amen. I, um, I actually wrote down how to say that as W-H-A, but I realize it's probably not how you say it. This sounds more like wah, <laughs> but it's okay. Anyway, I, I just want you to turn. To, we're not going to, we're not going to this time, but I, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you're built different. You can turn to the person on your other side and say, you're built different. One more time, the person behind you, the person behind you, say, you're built different. All right, I'm just going to pray right now. Holy Spirit's going to enter. It's going to be a pretty long prayer. It'll be about five minutes. Uh, dear Jesus, would you help us this morning? Amen. Cool, let's get into it. Um, do, you, do you know what's crazy? You said to everyone around you that you're, you're built different, but... Do you believe that? It, it kind of feels like, to me, I, I can see the people around me, and it looks like they're built different, but sometimes I find it so hard to believe that um, my, my myself, I'm built different. Because um, I, I remember growing up, in, growing up in church and being like, man, all these people around me, they're built different. Like, these people are holy people. They follow the Lord. They're, they're children of God. And, and sometimes I'll just look at myself, like, man, I'm just such a regular Joe. Just, I'm just like, you know, I'm just, the, I'm just like a kid that's growing up in church. I'm, I'm no one special. But the, the crazy thing is, you, it, it says in Genesis that we're made to image God, that God made us in the image of Him. So um, we're going to open up to the Bible. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to Genesis 1.26. Genesis 1.26. Say, yeah, yeah, if you have it. Say, hold up if you're not there yet. I heard one hold up. It's the first chapter in the Bible. You should be there by now. Anyway, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go. Um, Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over my creation. So God created humankind in his own image, in his image he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. God saw what he had created and said it was very good. 
Like, isn't that crazy? You and me are literally made to image God. We're meant to be like God. Now, I'm not saying that all of you guys look exactly like God. We have our ugly days, right? But, but we were made to have a likeness to Him. We were made to work and rest like God, reflect on what we've done. That's why Sunday's a holy day in the church. But God made us complete. He looked at us, His creation, and said it was good, but, but not just good. It was, it was very good. Like, like He specifically says, Man, these guys are very good. You're complete. We're going to move to Genesis 3. So you can move there if you want. I didn't actually write down the references, so you can, you'll find it when we keep going. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the trees that are in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. That's a bit, a bit heavy. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Both of their eyes were opened. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now, we know that God said to Adam and Eve, don't eat of the fruit because it will make you die. Then the sneaky serpent showed up and made them doubt what God said. My question is, do you have a sneaky serpent in your life? Do you have someone that's making you doubt what God has said over your life? I know that the devil does that to me all the time. He, he just, he comes up and it's just out of nowhere. He's like, did God really say that? Is this really where God's leading you? Is that really where God's taking us? Because to me, it, it doesn't seem that way. To me, it seems like this is a totally fine path to take. And, and the weird thing is, is like the devil can work through other people too. Sometimes you're like, actually, yeah, this is what was meant to be happening. No, you're doing that wrong. No, we're meant to be doing it like this. Why, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, do not be a sneaky serpent. Turn to the other neighbor and say, do not be a sneaky serpent. Let me tell you, the enemy loves to make us doubt who God has told us we are. So, so when God has said that, yeah, you're made really good, you're, you're made complete, the enemy's going to make us doubt that. Or, or he's going to tell us that we're not good enough, tell us that we don't fit in, tell us that we just don't compare to the people around us. And he's going to make us doubt that God didn't make us in his image. So he's going to make us doubt that we were made in his image. Let, let me tell you, there are countless times that I've forgotten that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That, that I forgot that God knitted me together in my mother's womb. That I forgot that God knew me before I was born and he knows the amount of hairs on my heads. There are times that I've forgotten this because the enemy gets in and I'm like, oh, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe I just don't compare when I look at the people around me. When, when I see people that I'm, I consider to be holy people of God, that, that I'm like, man, these people are just so on fire for God. I, I just don't compare. I forget that God's made me the same way. Now, there's a story in the Bible of the nation of Israel walking around the wilderness for 40 years to get to the promised land that God has for them. It's a land flowing of milk and honey. The Browns would love it. They have bees, obviously. The story is in Numbers 13, so you can, you can flip there if you'd like to. Send men to spy out 
the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord. All of the men were heads of the people of Israel. Now, I feel like some of my notes have disappeared because I don't have the rest of the story. But that's a, that's a little bit awkward, but that's okay. We're going we're gonna to go with it anyway. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you the story off memory. And basically, there are these 12 spies that go into the promised land. And, and they, they come out and they, they, they come back and give a bad report about what is happening in the land. They're like, there are the people. Oh, no, here we go. Here we go. I've got it. I've got it. I think I've got it. Do we? Do we do it? Maybe. Maybe. I don't. Never mind. It's awkward. I'm going to go straight to Numbers 13. We'll, we'll do it the long, hard way. You can turn to your neighbor and say you look good today. And to your other neighbor and say they look good today because I'm not there yet. (laughs) All right, here we go. I've got it. I've got it. Man, this is awkward. Don't you hate when you don't have your notes? All right, here we go. It's right at the end, verse 32. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied it out, saying, The land which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people we saw of it are of great height. If you're short, you probably know the fear. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed like grasshoppers to them. Now, now, I've got to ask you a question. Who's the person that you're telling yourself you are? Because the spies said that through their own eyes, they look like grasshoppers. Then, then they convinced themselves that that's what they seem like to the people that lived there. I don't know if they asked them if they look like grasshoppers. They'd probably say, you know, you just look short. But we're, we're not grasshoppers. It says in Genesis 1 that we're made in the image of God. We're made in his likeness. God isn't the God of grasshoppers. He is the God of his children. You can turn to your neighbor and say, God isn't a God of grasshoppers. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're not a grasshopper. Look back at your other neighbor and say, you look like one though. (laughs) Yeah, a little rough this morning. I, I think one of the biggest issues with being made in the image of God is because the story that we tell ourselves is that we're grasshoppers. See, it's not a story that God told us, but it's the story that we told ourselves when we get into certain situations is that, yeah, I'm a grasshopper because the situation looks so big compared to me. Let me tell you, I don't always look in the mirror and think I'm a mighty man of God. Up to today, I thought I was a guy that needed a haircut. But here's the problem. When we see ourselves as grasshoppers, it actually taints the way that we see God. Because if we're made in the image of God and we see ourselves as grasshoppers then it makes God the God of grasshoppers. It means if I'm a grasshopper and I image God, then God's just a big grasshopper. It doesn't seem very powerful, does it? So, so what's the story that you're telling yourself? Is it that you're grasshoppers? Because the spies came back and said they're sons of Anak, and the Nephilim are there, there are people around the Jordan. They came back with a bad report or a bad story of God's promised land. They were so concerned about their situation or where they were and and all the opposition that they focused on it instead of realizing who they were in God. 
the story they told themselves convinced them away from who God is. I, I remember growing up in a Christian household, and almost every day my parents would tell me that I'm loved by God, and, and God loves me, and I'm so incredibly lucky for that. Because if someone speaks something over your life, how, how often do you know that you take that story as your own, and that's your story? So growing up, my parents were like, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. So I grew up to say, yeah, Jesus loves me. That's the truth that I know. That's, a, that's my story. Jesus loves me. But, but who knows that all it takes is one moment from the enemy or, or one bad moment for you to change the story. I, I remember one year when I was 11 and, and my, my brother had died in an accident and, and I was so mad at God because I, you know, I believed that Jesus loved me and he'd never let anything bad happen to me. And then my brother dies and I'm like, okay, God, what happened? I thought you loved me. I, I thought that you were for me and, and that, that you were going to make turn everything for my good what's going on? So, so I prayed and prayed that God would raise him from the dead like he'd done in the Bible that, you know, that I believed. But the funeral happened. My brother didn't rise from the dead. So all of a sudden, I started to believe that God didn't love me anymore. See, all, all it takes is one moment and, and we can change the story on ourselves. See, it's the exact same with the Israelites. They're like, yeah, we're God's children. Yeah, we're the chosen nation. We're going to walk around in the desert. We're going to go to the promised land. There are some hiccups on the way, absolutely. But then they go into the land to spy it out because God's like, we're going to take it over. This is going to be yours. And, and they get in there, and the story that they tell themselves is that, actually, the people there are scary. Actually, we can't do this. The story, they've chosen to leave the story of God over their lives. The, um, the last thought that I really had on this topic before I tag it over to Sasha is that is really about the story that we tell ourselves. See, back, back to Genesis 1, there are so many creatures that God created, yet humans are so, uh, so different than every other creation. See, honeybees wake up to make honey. That's what they do. They, they wake up and like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to make a heap of honey. That's, that's literally the process in the morning. Beavers wake up and they're like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop that river flowing today. I'm going to chew on some bark. See, but humans are different. They wake up and they decide what they're going to do for their day. See, see, humans wake up and they're like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go to work today. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a sick day today because I'm sick. They, they decide what they're going to do. They decide who they're going to be. It's, it's part of God giving us free will. We, we get to decide See, we have this ability to choose our story. We can wake up and re reinvent ourselves time and time again. It's an ability that God's given us. It's not this thing where we wake up and we're, we're going to make honey today. It's, it's God being like, actually, you have the ability to reinvent yourself time and time again. So when we wake up, we can choose our own story on what we're going to believe the situation to be, or, or we can believe what God's saying about the circumstances. We can wake up and, you know, choose God's future. Actually, I'm going to trust you in this, God. I'm gonna, we're going to walk into the promised land, and we are going to take it over because you are on our side, and that is who you are. Or we can, we can be like, actually, the people are really tall, and, and we seem like grasshoppers. We seem like grasshoppers. There's no way we can do it. It's a choice that we get to make. We, essentially, God's given us the ability to decide our destiny, whether we walk in his story or we walk in our own. It's a choice that he's given us all. The Israelites chose fear for their future. They chose doubt. They saw the facts around them and chose that fear was their future instead of trusting that God's future was better than the one that they could comprehend. 
the facts never add up for our favor. And, and the present's a liar of what our future can be. Something that I, I have found so hard was that I'd always look at my circumstances. I'd look at my past and be like, actually, this is the way that it's going to be. But, but let me tell you, the future can be so different. We, we wake up and get to choose where we're going to go, who we're going to follow, and what we trust. I, I, would just re- I would just really love to advise you this morning that tomorrow you can wake up and decide to follow God. It, it doesn't matter where you've come from, what, what your situation is currently looking like. If this morning you're like, actually, God, I want to follow your ways this morning, then everything can change. Tomorrow doesn't have to be the same as yesterday or, or your current circumstances. God can change that in the flick of a switch, but, but it's actually your choice to follow him. It's your choice to trust the future that he has ahead of you. So, so I'd just, like just like to pray this morning, and I'll pass it over to Sasha. Dear God, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you are not the God of grasshoppers, but that you are a God of your children and that you've fearfully and wonderfully made us. We thank you that you know us and that we image you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Also, I'm going to pass it over to Sasha this morning. So good. I'm all right, Deb. I brought my own. Is that all right? Yes, thank you. I brought my own. Um, Just going to get some promo there for 24-7. Ask me about it later. Um, How good was that word? So amazing, Eli. Um, When we were trying to plan what we were talking about this week, I text Eli and I was like, shall we just split? We did a four-week series at Youth. Um, So Eli did two, I did one, Ella did another. Um, And I was like, shall we just split everything we talked about? And normally we rely on Ella to be like the stable one that's like, oh guys, this isn't really achievable. But Eli was like, that's really not achievable, Sasha. And I was like, you know what, Eli, you're so right. (laughs) I was feeling very ambitious this week. Um, But anyway, hi everyone, I'm Sasha. Um, Like I said before, I've had the incredible privilege the last term and a half to be um, leading youth along with Eli and Ella. And it has been such an awesome journey. Um, I wanted to share a quick highlight like Eli did. Uh, We had a girls and guys night. It was pretty crazy. Um, The guys, what you guys do again? Oh, they just, can it grill? They just barbecued a whole lot of gross stuff. I think there was a cheesecake on the barbecue at one point. There was some liver maybe, some kidneys. My brother who doesn't eat anything tried kidneys and actually liked it. So my mum was like, let's go, this is awesome. Um, And us girls, we had like a cute wee night. We had a bonfire. Um, and we just hung out and spent some really quality, like good quality time. And the awesome thing, this is probably Ella and my favourite part of the night, was people didn't want to go home. Um, we found out later on, we just thought all the parents were late. But they were waiting outside for half an hour because the kids weren't checking their phones. Um, and that's what we want to grow. Like We want to grow in our youth community a family that like the young people don't want to leave. They're so connected and they're so, you know, and it's so, it's so exciting. Um, so... Sorry, parents, if they were late that night. But just think of the benefits to their, like, well-being. Um, but anyway, so a little bit about myself. I am Sasha, 26. Um, I have lived in Rangiora my whole life, so that's a long time. Um, I went to Southbrook School. I went to New Life School. I now work at New Life School. Um, and I just love young people with my whole entire heart. Um, I've been in, like, the whole youth community thing and youth group for over 10 years. It's a really long time. 
Um, and today I really wanted to talk about my own journey with my identity and my struggles um, because I think the way that I youth pastor and I youth work is through relationship, right, and through stories. And through what I've been through has given me the passion to um, kind of share my life story um, with the young people that we work with. So, um, and I have a huge passion for whole mental health and well-being. Um, and just on that quickly, I wanted to give a quick plug for Soul Tour. If you're a young adult in here, chat to me after the service or Joe if he's still here. Um, because Soul Tour honestly changed my life, especially when it came to identity. It's such incredible timing that Soul Tour kind of comes at the end of our identity series. Um, I've been seeing Belinda stop for years. She's an incredible part of my journey in my identity. And like, I just really want to say, like, I know it's $195, but if you're a young person, just uh, sorry, a young adult here, really want to encourage you guys to get along to that. Um, anyway, <laughs> today I wanted to share a bit about my testimony and the revelations that I've kind of come across um, in my last 15 plus years, which is a long time, um, <laughs> kind of a long time. Oh, you don't look a day over 20. Guys, stop it. Um, <laughs> but first thing is, um, I have a huge passion for Māori culture, the language and te ao Māori. Um, and over the last year, as part of my work journey, um, they're doing like this massive thing about bicultural um, identity and our part in the journey. And I've kind of come to this revelation in the last year that the Māori culture is quite, it's quite common to introduce yourself by talking about your whakapapa or your family line. And so I'm going to share a little bit about of uh, my shortened pipiha. Um, woo! Beck is excited. Um, so it sounds something like this. Tēnā koutou katoa, ko rakahure te awa, ko makatere te maunga, no rangiora ahau, ko Sharon toku mama, ko David toku papa, ko Neil toku papa whakaingi, I added that one last night, ko Sasha toku ingoa. Um, and what I came, the revelation I came to when I started this journey of learning my pipiha was, um, before I mention my own name in that, I talk about my river, I talk about my mountain, talk about my heritage, and then I talk about my parents. And I talk about, um, you know, Sharon, as I say, my, I am the daughter of Sharon, Neil, and David. Um, and so much about who we identify as comes from our parents, right? Um, it, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, we have to come to the idea that actually we are shaped growing up as what our relationship with our family is. Um, and it seems easy enough, but for much of my life, I really struggled knowing who and whose I was. Um, some of you here may have heard bits of my story, um, but I want to share a little bit of it today in brief, just so you guys can get to know me, but also just to see how um, how I've come into this realisation in the last while of actually whose we actually are and that we are a child of God. Um, so, and my mum's not here right now, but she'll watch this later. Um, and she'll probably tell me my ages are wrong, but that's okay. But anyway, <laughs> sorry mum. My life up until the age of six was pretty normal. Um, I had a little sister, Brianna. My mum and dad were super happy. Um, and life was really good. And then when I was seven, they separated for what I was told at the time was money reasons. Oh, dad's not very good with money. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. But I was like, whatever, why would you separate over money? But, you know, I didn't think much of it. Um, but when I was eight, I found out that my dad was actually gay. And uh, he had also found out he was HIV positive. Um, 
And at that age, I still really didn't understand what any of that meant. Um, but I was like, okay, whatever, you can't be together. Um, after that, my relationship with my dad became quite toxic. Um, and he went through some a lot of mental health struggles, and it was pretty rough. And he kept in contact with my little sister, but basically from the age of nine, I had no contact with him, um, which was hard. And then from then, I went basically 10 years without any contact. All contact I had with my dad was through my little sister. Um, and it was really hard growing up without a dad because, you know, who am I? I don't know. I've got my mum and she's awesome. And I had a really incredible stepdad that stepped into the position um, of dad. But it was really hard knowing that my biological dad, the dad that I share blood with, knew nothing about me. Um, and so in my high school years, it got even harder because that's when you start to develop who you are. You know, I started to identify who I am, what I want to do with my life, things like that. And it was just really, really hard. I struggled because I was, how was I supposed to know who I was when I hadn't had a relationship with my dad? Because I was really basing my identity on who my parents were. Um, there's a picture, hopefully, maybe. Yay, so cute. Um, if you don't know, that lovely person with all the blush, that's Jess Clifford. Um, this is like, <laughs> she, she looks fabulous. Um, uh, she, this is probably like 11-ish years ago, so her hasn't changed a day. Um, <laughs> but I laugh so much at this picture, but then I also remind myself quite often, like I use this picture of a reminder of how far I've actually come See, this picture looks really fun, right? Uh, it's a youth group disco. It's a roller disco. So we're all in like a massive shed and we're dressed as like, is that 80s, 90s? I don't know, but it was fun. Um, it was a roller disco. But all I remember when I see this picture is actually I was really sad. And I don't look it. Um, but I was, I was 14. I was in year nine. And I just cut ties with my dad, and I was going through what I call now as a, an identity crisis. I really didn't know who I was. I was um, really, like, overwhelmed this night specifically. It's gone. Um, <laughs> because my outfit didn't cover certain things. And part of the way I dealt with every, all my emotions when I was a teenager was I, um, I self-harmed. And so beforehand, I was freaking out because the outfit I chose didn't hide things I wanted to hide. Um, and it just, no one noticed, thankfully, but I remember seeing that, I, uh, no, sorry, I see that picture now and I go, wow, what a change in who you are in those 11 years. See, I was so lost with who I was. I'd been in church for five years, but I didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. I wanted to hide away from the world and not be noticed. Um, a month or two after this photo was taken, my friend found out that I had been self-harming and she worked with me and a counsellor to get some help. It was a very long journey. Um, and eventually I stopped self-harming and kind of moved on from my identity crisis. But I actually just found something else to hide everything. I still didn't know who I was. And years and years went by and I was so very lost inside. I struggled with my self-worth, my self-image and a lot of other things. Um, I started to hear more and more about when we choose to follow Jesus we become a child of God. And that started to sound really awesome. I was like, cool, my dad really sucks. So maybe God can be my dad. 
And I just thought it was that easy. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. Um, but if only it was that simple. For so long, I lived a mediocre life thinking it was okay because my dad was God. Tick, easy, didn't have to do anything about it. But in psychology, there's this theory called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And basically, it explains a variety of needs every human needs to exist and have a healthy and happy life. Um, and in this, there is, oh, sorry, I've lost in my notes. Uh, one of these needs is the um, need to be love and social belonging. We are all inherently wired to search for connection and belonging, to be part of something greater than us. We're so incredibly lucky that when we decide to follow Jesus, we get to become part of God's family, right? And that's such an awesome thing. Um, in John 1, 12, if you want to... If you want to follow along, it says, Yet all who did receive them, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. To be a part of the family of God means that we get to know and experience the love of God to be able to call the creator of all the universe our father. For me, as someone who struggled with my identity, um, it was so cool to get this idea that actually we have something beyond us. When we become a follower of Christ and we choose to be a child of God, we gain a greater family. There's a passage in Ephesians where Paul is encouraging the followers of Christ to remember that they are all part of one family. They are to be unified with each other. Um, it says, oh, I didn't put the chapter, sorry guys. I can just quickly, Ephesians 2, 19 um, to 22 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him... You two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Doing life with people is so much easier than doing life alone, right? And when we choose to call ourselves a child of God, we get something more, much more greater than just being a child of God. We gain an extended family. And when I chose to give my heart to God and come into church, I still isolated myself for so long because I was hiding so many different things in my life. But when I actually came into the acknowledgement that I've got so much more and I accepted the fact that we get something greater than ourselves, um, my life just kept going. I started to surround myself with people who were like-minded. People, My friends became Christians who were also pursuing the Lord, who are continuously lifting me up. It's a really biblical principle, right? Jesus even prayed about it in John 17. He says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who, who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. 
I in, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So I really encourage you guys, tap into a life group. We have something so much greater here. We're so incredibly lucky here at Thrive. Um, even today, I was a little bit nervous before the service, and Ricky Lee just tapped me on the shoulder, and she's like, we've got you. You are here, like, you know, we've got your back. We're on your side. And that's so much, so much greater than I alone. You know, I am a child of God in Christ, but when I'm a child of God, I am greater than myself. We are a family. There's so much more than just us. We are so inherently wired for belonging and connection that God gave us something more. God gave us a wider church family. A wider church family who cries when we cry. A wider church family who celebrates when we celebrate. A wider church family that's continually pushing us towards Christ, turning our faces to Christ. And I'm so incredibly lucky and grateful for my church family, for all of you guys here, because I wouldn't be, I would still be that little 14-year-old girl without having Christians around me. I wouldn't be comfortable as who I am as a child of God without my wider church family. And so I just really want to encourage you guys, tap into a life group, a Bible study, come to church, come to youth group. Because when you are surrounded by those people, it's so much easier than doing life alone. So much easier. And I, I still have those days. I still have those days where I'm like overwhelmed. But, <laughs> Becca laughed because she knows it's a lot at the moment. But I know that I can text anybody. I can text Kerry and be like, Kerry, so hard. And she'll send me a voice message back. And she'll be like, you got this girl. But it's something so simple. But we're so, so incredibly lucky that God, like God created friendship and family so that we don't have to do life alone. Lord, I thank you for your incredible love for us. I thank you that when we choose to follow you and choose to say, uh, to choose to accept that we are a child of you, that you give us so much more. Lord, I just thank you for the identity we have in your church and in your family, Father. And Lord, I just pray right now for anyone who's struggling with their, um, knowing their place in this world, God, knowing who or whose they are, God. I just pray right now for just um, revelation that they are a child of you. Revelation that there is so much more than isolation and being alone, God. That you created us inherently for connection and belonging. And that you created friendship, family, for us to just pursue you even further, God. Thank you, Jesus.